Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, man, this is awesome. It's so much fun being here. And the energy in this room right now, oh, wow, this is incredible. And I think that's because when we come together as one big church family, it's like a big family reunion. And so it's just an awesome feeling to be together in community. And not just in here, but also in the traditional service as well. So hi to you folks as well. And also those of you watching online. Uh, we also welcome you, and we've been praying for you, and we don't believe that it's any accident that you are here today. Um, we are going to dive into Scripture in Genesis chapters 29 and 30, so if you are a person who likes to have a Bible in front of you, our ushers are going to be coming down the aisles at this time in both venues, so if you are looking to get a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. If you're a little bit more techy, uh, you can pull out your smartphones and you can dig into the Word there as well. So I'm going to begin with a little story, and me being the sports guy that I am, uh, this story involves sports. So it's not about me, but about another person, and it's a true story, and it's a story that happened in pop culture, and what happened was it was a playoff game, and this athlete in the final seconds was called upon to make the final shot. Now, this was a shot that he had made in practice all the time. It was one that he could close his eyes and cover, cover them up, and he would still be able to make it, and it was one just every single day. He didn't have to think twice about it. He could make it. But again, it's a playoff game, and sometimes nerves and other factors get in the way, and before you know it, this athlete, who was supposed to be a hero, ends up becoming mortal enemy number one of Minnesota Vikings fans everywhere. And that guy is none other than Blair Walsh, who in the 2015 NFC wildcard game ended up missing a 27-yard field goal, which would have won the game for them, and instead got a bunch of YouTube videos with a bunch of people saying, you couldn't make that field goal? I could make that field goal. I was in like three feet of snow. Seriously. But in the interview afterwards, you know, Blair Walsh was quoted saying, I felt like I let my team down. Don't we all have those feelings sometimes? Or we feel like maybe we've let people down, or maybe we don't feel like we have purpose. Maybe we feel like we have to gain the approval of people but just can't seem to do it because of what we do or what we say. That's kind of where we're at in this Ancestry.Church series. So just to give you a little background into the actual story that we're going to talk about today. So we've started with Abraham, and then we go to Isaac. Now we're on Jacob. And Jacob is going to a foreign land to find himself a wife. Thank you, preaching team, for giving me the two love stories in this series. Yay. Get to talk about love. So he goes to this foreign land, and he meets up with Laban. And if you remember, if you've been following the series, that Laban is the, bro yeah, Laban is the brother of Rebekah. But now Laban's all grown up, has kids of his own, and one of his daughters is named Rachel. And Rachel, she's quite the looker, let me tell you. Very, very beautiful. And Jacob, he noticed right away. And so he says, hey, Laban, your daughter is very attractive. I would like to marry her. And so Laban's like, oh, really? You really love my daughter? How about you work for me for seven years? 
Oh, the things you do for love, let me tell you. So Jacob is crazy enough to actually do it. He works for seven years, and then finally he is to take Rachel as his wife. But Jacob is a deceiver and a liar, and he gets a taste of his own medicine from Laban because ancient custom says that you have to marry off your older daughter before your younger daughter. And of course, Rachel has an older daughter or an older sister named Leah. And according to verse 17 of Genesis 29, she has weak eyes, which basically is a nice way of saying she is hideous. Like think bearded lady at the circus type hideous. That, that's what we've got right now. So you have an older sister who looks like that, and then you have Rachel who's, who's beautiful. So of course, Jacob's going to choose Rachel, but you know, Laban's in a bit of a predicament. He has, to, he has to marry off Leah, so he tricks Jacob. So the night that Rachel and Jacob were supposed to lay down together, instead of Rachel, it's Leah. And in the morning when Jacob realizes what's gone wrong, he's like, he gets one of these looks like, and then he walks out to Laban and he goes, what in the world, man? I was supposed to marry Rachel, but instead, here's the bearded lady. Are you serious? What do I have to do in order to get Rachel? And so Laban's like, right, you worked one, se one pair of seven years? Go ahead and work another pair of seven years. Oof, man, he must really love her. But Jacob, you know, all credit to him, he works another seven years, and sure enough, now he's ready to marry Rachel. But this creates a, a problem because, well, he's, he's got two wives. See, so he's got Leah and Rachel. And so as a result, there's this favoritism that starts to show up because Jacob's original intentions were to marry Rachel. But he's also got Leah. And so, of course, he's going to show more love and affection towards Rachel than Leah. And so now we're left wondering, you know, whether Leah feels like she has any value or not. Don't we find ourselves in those situations from time to time? And the, the worst part about it is that it shows up in a variety of different ways. Let me, let me pull up some common ways that this shows up. So those of you who maybe, maybe have dated or are married now, but when you're in the dating phase, you probably thought to yourself, hmm, what will it take for that guy or girl to notice me in my Sunday best? What will it take? What do I have to do? What do I have to say to get his or her attention? That's seeking approval. Or what about, you know, in the working world? You know, maybe you're a low man on the totem pole and you're trying to work your way up that corporate ladder and you're thinking to yourself, what will it take for my boss to, get, to give me that raise and that promotion that I so deserve? trying to seek approval again. You might do some things. You might say some things just to get on his good side. You never know. Or maybe you're a parent of a, teenage, a teenager and you're thinking to yourself, what will it take for my teenage son or daughter to quit being so rebellious and actually think I'm cool? Those of you who maybe you have younger ones and they're going to be teenagers, oh, just you wait. But I'm up here telling you that I was a rebellious teen and I ended up just fine. Just ask my parents over here. But anyways, <laughs> um, or here's the other classic one, social media. Oh boy, you know, what, what will it take 
to get more likes on Facebook, to get more likes on Instagram, to get more followers on Twitter, to get people to notice how cool and awesome I am. Seeking approval rears its ugly head in many different ways. And the reason why it does is because it tackles a fear that each and every single one of us in, in this room has to some varying degree. And that's this, we hate being alone. God created us to be in community with each other. It doesn't matter if you are the most introverted per introvert in the entire world, you still need community. And so in order to have community, you got to be accepting, or you have to be accepted by people. You maybe have to say the right things, dress the right way, do the right things, in order to feel like you are a part of the world. There's just one problem with that. When you try and please the world, you just end up feeling sad. And you start to doubt stuff that's deep inside of you that you, that you hold so confidently. And there's another thing that it gets at too, and we're going to get back to the story right now. Genesis 29, right away in verse 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive but Rachel remained childless. So remember, God's the main character in this Ancestry.Church series and for throughout the entire Bible and throughout the entire life of all of us. Therefore, he's going to move and he's going he's gonna to create some interesting things. So Leah, bearded lady that she is, is able to have children. Rachel, beautiful, young, not able to have children. This creates quite the conundrum. So Leah, able to have children. She has one, two, three, four children. Then finally, we get to chapter 30. When Rachel finally sees that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. And then in verse 3, she goes as far as saying, here is Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and I too can build a family through her. They're trying to seek approval from a guy who's a liar and a deceiver. Oh, my goodness. And then it just gets even worse because you start out. Here's Leah. Yeah, she's unloved. She wants to have children. And so God gives her that ability. And then Rachel all of a sudden over here is like, wait, I can't have children. But Leah's over there having children. I'm going to send my servant into the mix. And then Leah is over here saying, oh, the servant's here. And so I'm going to send a servant into the mix as well. And then Rachel's over here like, oh, Leah's still having children. And I still haven't had one. And then finally Rachel has a child. How exhausting is that? I was exhausted moving back and forth. Could you imagine Jacob in that situation? Could you imagine the work that it took for Leah and Rachel to get Jacob's attention? That's what happens when we try and seek approval from the world. We get tired. It, it's, it's ridiculous. But there's hope. There's always hope. And if you don't see it in the midst of this chaos that's happening in Genesis 29, you'll completely miss out on the entire point. So we'll just kind of review over real quick. So in Genesis 29, verse 31, so, or verse 32, so Leah has her first son. She names him Reuben. Is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Trying to seek approval, approval from the world, a.k.a. Jacob. Then she has her second son. 
Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too, Simeon. Then the third child. Well, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So that's Levi. Again, trying to seek approval from the world, a.k.a. Jacob. But it's the fourth child in verse 35 where it's almost like a light bulb flickers on and Leah finally gets it. Let me read this verse to you. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. This time I will praise the Lord. It's interesting because the child that she has this revelation from is Judah. And for those biblical scholars out there, Judah... His family line then leads to David, who then leads to Jesus. So it's through Jesus eventually where we get this picture of how we're supposed to view being accepted. We're supposed to give credit where credit is deserved. We shouldn't be trying to gain acceptance from the world because that's just going to tire us out and that's going to make us feel lonely and sad and making us question our purpose here on earth. But there's an alternative, and Leah finally gets it. She gives credit to God. And what we have to remember is that God was there from the beginning with all of us. At the beginning of creation, day six, God said after he created human beings, not just that we are good, but that we are very good. Not okay, not eh, very good. What does that mean? That means God accepted us from the beginning. He called us his own. It didn't matter that Leah was hideous. It didn't matter what she did. All that mattered to God was that she was his creation. And God loves his creation more than anything. He wants what's best for his creation So maybe instead of trying to seek approval from the world, you should get it from from God, from the one who's accepted you from the beginning. And I think this this climax is in in the New Testament in the book of John, chapter 8. We get a perfect picture of this idea. So what happens is there's there's a group of people and they bring this woman who has committed adultery into a circle, and they've got stones, and they're ready to strike. Because according to the law of Moses, if you were caught in adultery, you were stoned. And so, in verse 4, Jesus comes over, and the teachers of religious law said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. But then here's the next part. Jesus What do you say? The world's saying, we're going to stone you. We don't accept your behavior. That's not cool with us. Therefore, you should die. But Jesus, what do you have to say about that? Jesus says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And just like that, Drop, drop, 
drop. Stones start dropping. People start walking away. And all that's left is this woman and Jesus. And so Jesus walks up to her. He strains her up and asks her, Woman, where are these people that condemned you? Has no one actually condemned you? No one, sir, said the woman. And Jesus says this, don't miss this. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus said, I don't care that you've committed a terrible crime. All I care about is that you are my creation and that I love you with my whole heart. But that's not where it ends. See, he gives, he gives her a command, and that command is this in verse 11. Go now and leave your life of sin. Feeling accepted by God should free us from the stress and the pain that's caused from trying to gain acceptance from the world. Let that sink in. You're free. Go and sin no more. Be like, be like that woman and go and live. Be free because that's how God wants you to live. God wants you to live a Christ-like life. Grow closer and closer and closer in a relationship with him. And I think Ephesians chapter 5 captures that perfectly. It says this, follow God's example as dearly loved children. So follow it because you're loved by God, the only person whose approval should matter to you. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Maybe some of you are coming in today thinking, well, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm the one who's been casting judgment. Maybe I haven't been loving people the way they should be loved. And to that, Jesus also says, go and sin no more. See, being loved and accepted by God is all that should matter. His approval is all you need. And you don't even have to work for it. You just have to accept it and let it be a part of your life. Let it be the focal point of your life. Because when that happens, when it starts or it's being the focal point of your life, then you can start sending it out to other people. That Blair Walsh story I told you earlier, it didn't end with him hanging up his cleats and saying that he was completely worthless and going down in the dumps and becoming completely mysterious. No, a group of first graders wrote a bunch of letters to Blair Walsh. And they saw the game. They could have been like the world and said, wow, Blair Walsh, you cost this city a Super Bowl. Like, get out of town. Like, we don't want you anymore. But no, these little kids, these first graders, isn't it amazing how the heart of a child can work sometimes? These first graders are writing him letters and saying, you matter, Blair Walsh. You matter. It doesn't matter that you made one, probably one of the biggest mistakes of your lives. You matter and we love you. One girl even wrote in her letter, I was practicing a cartwheel the other day and I made a mistake. Oh well, 
That's okay. It happens. People make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Just ask my parents. They would tell you. But it didn't matter that he made the mistakes. God and these children loved him anyways. And they let him know that. And it forever changed him. He goes into the school and thanks them. Couldn't thank them enough for all that they did. That's how we should be when it comes to interacting with people who maybe don't feel accepted or maybe feel judged or maybe feel like they've been condemned for one mistake that they've made. We should overcome evil with love. Let that guide your life. Let that bring you closer and closer and closer into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what should guide your life. So the question that I want to ask you today is this. Whose approval are you going to seek? Are you going to continue walking down the path of trying to gain the world's approval? Because I hate to break it to you, you're not going to be able to gain everybody's approval. Because even Jesus himself was rejected in his hometown. So if Jesus was rejected by some people, you better believe that you are probably going to get rejected by some people. You're not going to have the approval of others. But don't let that get in the way of going the other way, of going towards God and how he views you. Because the fact of the matter is this. God approves of you now, he approved of you in the past, and he's going to approve of you for the rest of your life and for all of eternity because that's how God's love works. It is an eternal love. It is one that where if you were to be plopped into the ocean, it would cover you like the waters of the ocean. That's how powerful God's love is. So go, and when you're interacting with people, be the church. Show love to those people who maybe are lonely because, well, that's how the gospel gets spread. That's how light breaks through in this dark world. So be the church. Seek approval from God. But oh wait, you've already got it. Go ever closer with God. Let's pray. Invite the band to come on up. Lord Jesus, you love us so much. Lord, we can't even fathom how wide and how deep and how long your love is for us. Lord, help us to walk confidently through life knowing that you accepted us from the beginning and are going to accept us for the rest of our lives. And Lord, we ask that when we do make mistakes that you forgive us and that you help us move forward and grow ever closer to you and that all of us in here would become ever more Christ-like. We give you all praise and all glory right here, right now, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.